When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In a few simple steps, view the stylish and even maintenance-free possibilities. And get a free instant quote with the online estimating tool at empire-fence.com. Let Empire Fence protect your empire. In Lincoln, we spell sports E-S-P-N. 101.5 FM and 1480 AM. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he was 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to a weekend editions here at Tailbar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt. Mark Cranach, Damon Barr is in. We are a week away, man, and it's feeling like, well, a chillier version of spring out this morning, but going to be a good weather weekend and uh, ramping up a few more practices for the Big Red, and then it will be the Spring Game Showcase. Can join us today on Hale Varsity Radio Weekend. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776. 7-6-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Mark Skurs for Mark Cranach. And two R's for at Damon Barr. You can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So uh, we will have a uh, rewind coming up in about 20 minutes or so with uh, Barry Alvarez. We had the uh, legendary Badger on Last week, we uh, will dive in with uh, Brandon Vogel and Gary Sharp next hour. Hey, which bad coach or administrator does Barry recommend we hire now? Uh, well, any uh, <laughs> any you, personnel? You, you're in you're you're in that you're in that crowd in camp that <laughs> think old Barry wanted the harm, dear old Nebraska. He's but, like, oh, Billy Callahan, Cosgrove, oh yeah. Here's the Those thing, are good though. ones. He oh yeah, shot I course oh yeah. He'll let, let, let me say this. Like, let me say this. Seen. Let me say this. Barry had both guys on his staff as a coach, and when they were building up to be going to Pasadena every year, Cos and Callahan were pretty vital members. I mean, you know how good the offensive lines were for Wisconsin, right? Yeah, totally. And in hindsight. Not not terrible when he was here either, right? Well, no, when I mean, Callahan the, was right. I mean, it was it, it, if he had a defense, the offense was scoring a lot of points, right? I mean, yeah. that's the old the old downfall. As far as the I course thing, I got nothing, uh, and, and <laughs> yeah. I don't and I don't think and I and I don't think he has anything. Uh, <laughs> you know, we asked him about it a couple three years ago. He's like, yeah, this didn't work out. I mean, the, the tone. <laughs> the tone. Sorry about that. 
The tone said it all. I'll say this, though. You know who his deputy AD was at Wisconsin when he kind of took over, juggling the the head football coaching duties and the AD duties? Lance? No. Who? (laughs) Jamie Pollard. That guy's been pretty good. Oh, okay. So, Barry, I think Barry knows who to hire, how to hire. And, you know, he had two really bad outings against Mike Riley when Wisconsin played Oregon State. And he's like, damn, how did that happen? This guy can coach. Well, nobody did their homework, right? Nobody did their homework on Nebraska's part saying, okay, what kind of leader is Sean Eichhorst? And Sean Eichhorst didn't do his homework on what type of coaches is Mike Riley. And, oh, by the way, should we really get rid of the guy that was in front of him? And then let's let's bring in the – The answer is no. The not-so-ballyhooed former GM of uh, the Rams, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just because his last name was cool (laughs) doesn't mean – Either way, I blame Barry for the downfall of Nebraska. There's really no other person to point at. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. And he had a smile like he just sold you a car without four wheels. Which, yeah, I blame Barry. No. No, I'm just kidding. I don't blame. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, the, you can have those feelings. You're not alone in Nebraska to have those feelings. I don't blame. Look, when 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 Nebraska hires somebody that has ties to Barry, and they call him and ask him, "Hey, what do you think about said person?" and he responds with, "I think this is a really good person, and they did this and they did that, and they're going to be good." For-. Like, what do you expect him to say? Right. Honestly, like, like, do you honestly think when he you call burns him, ants and tortures small ants? No, you mean right. you're not going to hammer the guy? Yeah, like, there's a reason he ain't. Like, there's oh, a reason God. he ain't working for me anymore. Or hey, this is who you should take because I want to get him the hell out of my situation. Right, I mean, you got to do your own work on that. Cranack, let's let's hit some spring ball and have you assess this week. And and I look at this week as. A couple of different fronts. One, the the positive being you're getting back and forth, it sounds like, this spring with the offense having some moments, the defense having some moments. And the old dauber was down for the offense on Wednesday based on, on how things went, and defense won that day. And... To me, that's good because all I've ever heard from people that were either coaching or playing in in the heyday, and I'm not saying it's going to be the heyday this season, but you had a great yin and yang, give and take. You hear the wonderful phrase, iron sharpens iron. And if that's what's going on, if the lines of scrimmage are building one another up, that that bodes well for for Nebraska, and it, it teaches you about some resiliency if you get your butt handed to you one practice day. You always got to – because you're going to lose plays. You're going to lose series. You're going to lose quarters. You're going to lose games. You know, what's your response level like? So that's good. I'm still just still smiling that there is a spring to develop. And the other thing that I'm I'm really intrigued on is, you know, who we're going to see a week from today. Now, last Saturday, we were all giddy about seeing this this running back, Gabe Irvin. We didn't see him. He was in street clothes, and, and that was kind of deflating. Now, the, the story of the week has been 
Jock Yant, and he kind of turned some heads last Saturday because of his size and agility, and and now he's been a a, a topic all week just because, A, either Nebraska got a really good steal out of Tallahassee or, dude, it's it's Thinsville because everyone else has not been able to, to be available enough to get reps. And you really want to see that running back room take pressure off of this offense and, and complement what you think could be a pretty good offensive line that even though they're young, they've all had a lot of snaps as you try and work through this right guard spot, obviously. So that's been on my mind this week, and I, I think it'll be a pretty vanilla but feel-good spring game. Of course, the wide receivers turn some heads, and we were talking about this a bit yesterday, and, and our friend Mitch Sherman wrote about this, and he he asked the question, and it's a great question, and I'd love your perspective on it. Uh, when it comes to the Nebraska offense. Uh, did you lose any amount of faith last football season in the Nebraska offense? And and listen, long term, I, I don't believe that I don't think the offense can get it done. I think they can. I think they've shown the ability to to do some nice things. It's been about the consistency. What What has baffled me is some of the the play calling, and it's easy to go snot nose armchair after something doesn't work. So let me say that. I'm not a qualified football mind, clearly, uh, when it comes to play calling and game planning. But there's just some game planning and for sure some execution and, above all, the, the turnover bug. I mean, that's that's what causes you pause on the offense uh, a little bit. You see the defense continue to grow. I think the offense – uh, with what they've done in upgrading some of the, the the talent in the wide receiver room, that can help out the offense. I think I think they can find they need to find two or three running backs to lean on. And I feel good about Adrian. The thing that's unknown is is you know his health uh, as far as making it through an entire season at, at a high level where he's not dinged up. And I think he's been dinged up a lot in his career. So those are all things that need to break the right way for Nebraska next year. Uh, with a pretty good schedule. Uh, some early Vegas odds are out. Nebraska's favorite in six. They're dogged in five, and they're a pick em against Michigan. So, I mean, a, a lot of weights, uh, and it kind of kicks things off or is part of this continued process here next Saturday. Yeah, it's it's funny. The question about did you lose faith in the offense, like, yes, yes, because it was an offense that looked pretty rudderless. That, that didn't really know what it wanted to be or how it wanted to do it and lacked weapons that just flat out lacked weapons um, that were reliable. Um, but as much faith as you lost in the offense, I think you I gained in the defense. Right, because that, that was the first year where it's like, you know, for the most part, those guys are dialed in and they're they're shutting it down like they, you know, most in a majority of the games, they shut down the offense. The defense was able to do that. However, the the offensive personnel situation has changed so drastically coming into this year that you you can't I I can't say that I have all the faith in the world. It's sort of like crypto investing. Sure. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like you look at it and you're like, wow, those could be some really big highs. That Bitcoin could rise to four hundred trillion dollars. 
but you could also lose your earth. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're, you're just not, you're, you see potential. You think there's something there, but you don't want to go all in. <laughs> you know, you're, you'd be crazy to go all in <laughs> just based on what you've seen. But you might want to put in a little bit. Yeah. You know, it, it's okay to put in like a, a hundred bucks or something to see, see if that turns into something because – Look, there was there was no Touré, there was no Manning. Is he going to play? Who knows? Fedoni, there's rumors he got hurt. Who knows? Yeah, uh, we were going to delicately just rip that date off. Rumors, yeah, who knows? Uh, r- running back, don't really know what's happening there. But Martinez coming back for a fourth year. Look, your offensive line is massive. If nothing else, I, I just find it hard to believe. Put it this way: if you have this crazy massive offensive line it that does not mean that they're going to be the best offensive line bigger isn't always better but i'm trying to think of the last time i saw an offensive line that size that wasn't at least good right like they should be at least good if the coaching is okay Mm -hmm. they should be at least good i i just can't imagine that there'll be a liability right plus a four-year starting quarterback plus these new weapons so there, There is reason to believe that the offense will improve. There is definite reason to believe that the defense will improve. There is reason to believe special teams will improve. I mean, really, all three phases, there is reason to believe they will all get better. Shouldn't those add up to a better team and better results? And And maybe a better question. Is there reason to believe that the offense will go backwards? Is there reason to believe that the defense will go backwards or that special teams will get worse? No, I I don't believe that. I don't, I can't can't see either of those situations. I don't believe the offense will get worse. I don't believe the defense will get worse because what's the old coaching saying? Either getting better, you're getting worse. You never stay the same. And I I don't believe the special teams can, can be worse. And that kind of goes back into, when we're talking about the offense, the run game, you know, did you lose faith at all? God, I, I mean, I went through a couple of those ball games that were just heart-wrenching. There's three games last year that were coin flips, more than three. But there's three that Nebraska was down, took a lead, and then did nothing. That's the Iowa game. That's the Northwestern game. That's the Minnesota game. You know how the Iowa game started out? They're down 10 nothing. Go to lead and go to go to halftime with the lead. Minnesota jumped out on him ten nothing. Nebraska ended up leading the ball game fourteen to ten at some point. Had a chance to tie for a field goal, I believe, in the third quarter. Uh, and then you have, I said Iowa, I said uh, Minnesota. Then I look at the Northwestern game where you got a guy like Miles Farmer. Hey, bro, welcome to college football. What's he do? The guy picks off two in the first half and sets your offense up where. You're down again to, to Northwestern to start the game. You come back, you're up by a score, right? And you score all of your points <laughs> in that yeah. second quarter. It was set up by your defense. And and then, then you do nothing the rest of the game. Again, Northwestern's defense was insane last year. And, and those are three games that, okay, so you don't sweep them. But, hell, you could have gone two and one, especially with Minnesota, man, with 33 guys out. 
And and what was your game plan that that week? Well, it was to come out and throw the damn football, and, and Minnesota's allowing seven a game. And that speaks to, A, trust on the offensive line. Uh, B, what's your availability of anyone running the football beyond uh, Wandale? And, and Mills was still nursing things. Or it's your quarterback, right? And then the Iowa game, I mean, it's it's – it's a special teams misstep that is a score in that phase of the ball game, and you lose twenty six to twenty, a one score game. So, is is choppy as it's been on on all three sides of the all three phases of the game for Nebraska at times. Man, if they get one fixed or two thirds of them fixed, you're thinking things could be better. There's got to be better decision making, but the turnovers, man. That's just what's been really killer as well. Uh, Dolman did some research, and he's like, you know, Nebraska's fumbled 77 times. When? How long? Oh, I think since Frost has been here. Jeez. And, I mean, they fumbled 77 times. I think they've lost 32 of them. Wow. I mean, and, and, and the way he put it, he's like, think about how many snaps you get a ball game. You get it between 70 and 80. So that's one entire game of of just fumbling the ball every play. <laughs> yeah, wow. That that's that's absurd. You and you're pissed, <laughs> clearly, because you just broke something. <laughs> yeah, something happened back there. What I don't was know. That? that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I don't know. Was I got, it your I pup? Go. Let, let me check. Tanner, you all right? Apparently everything's okay. Don't touch anything sharp. Yeah, I'll go handle that you, in a little bit when we got, go to break. You've got to really, um, you got to keep the the bottles of, of vodka away from the edge of the shelf. I mean, that's how you're supposed to start the day. <laughs> the yeah. bloody buddy. Well, oh, that's so great. That that was that was shocking, and 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 you know, usually that's a well placed sound effect, but no. Was, was that the prospects of Nebraska's football future? I I don't know. Or that's breaking. Or, or breaking through the glass ceiling. I don't. Well, that's true too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I don't know. It's um, it's 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 like, it's been like this for a while though. There's there's always there's there's like a bugaboo of some sort that you got to get over. And honestly, turnovers has been one of those things for a long freaking time. Now, right, Mike Riley did sort of stem the fumbling thing. I think it was in his last year. Well, you didn't have a quarterback running. He had Tommy Armstrong running around a little bit, but he didn't really have a yeah. quarterback running as much, clearly. Uh, yeah, and I think it was in his last year. They only fumbled like two or three times. Mm-hmm. So it just was not a thing that they did. They also didn't run the ball hardly ever. But think about that. 77? What? What? Mm. Like, so that's 77 plays where you're essentially just like the play is just a free-for-all. You might keep the ball. The other team might. Who knows? We'll see. Like that's that's entirely too many. That feels preventable. Feels very preventable. Uh, yeah. There. Look, and that and that's why you have to temper any of your expectations because of crap like that, right? I mean, you got Adrian, who's he's got all the measurables, going into his fourth year, can make some spectacular plays, but fumbles too much, throws too many picks, right? You you can. Bring up Manning and Toure, like they got the quintessential NFL size. Haven't played a single snap hardly in in Division One A football, let no. alone made a catch and contributed or done anything. 
right? So you have to temper that. Running back, you have like six, seven options. Only two of them are actually healthy right now to participate. You know, offensive line, those guys are just absolutely massive. You have an enormous offensive line, but you got a bunch of untested folks at guard. Mm -hmm. You know, and even the ones that are tested at tackle are going into their second year playing. So or, like yeah, or, there, or, there are, or second career start. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, totally. And and that's so there there's not a it's not a situation where it's just like take it to the bank. You know, there's very little of that on the team, especially offensively. Defensively, I think it's a little bit different. I think you can take to the bank that the secondary is legit. Mm-hmm. Agree. Secondary is legit. I think you can take to the bank that Doman is legit. I think you can take to the bank that the defensive line as a group. Gives you enough. Absolutely. Because you have enough bodies. And you can just rotate guys in and out. And I think they can be a problem. You know what's nice? Back to your point on the defensive line. You've clearly got separation between the, the Rodgers and Robinsons of the world. And, and, and Daniels. Okay? But you know how nice it is for Nebraska to have freaking depth. And bring people in. And to your point about rotation. And think about being able to rotate and keep guys fresh, and keep the sledgehammer swinging against a a run offense in the Big Ten in October and November, assuming everyone stays healthy. That's so huge for Nebraska. I mean, it's so, so important for the Huskers to have the ability to, to, to be as big and as strong and as physical as their counterparts, finally again on the line of scrimmage, thanks to Duvall and company. And then... By the way, they've developed guys behind where your gap or drop-off isn't brutal, okay? So you just go in there, and it's going to be second and eight for somebody, not second and three, ideally, anyway. So, no, that, that that's like my biggest comfort on defense. And you mentioned Doman. You mentioned the secondary, who's your – who's your you know going to lead the way for you emotionally and, and and physically but the defensive line in the Big 10 is is such an asset for Nebraska that that'll be your difference maker Cranack this yeah, season and and it was a difference maker for you last year aside from the Illinois game it, well especially if you decide and and jury's still out there are you still going to try to go fast offensively are you going to try to go fast and end up going three and out which puts more pressure on your defense, has them on the, on the field a lot longer. If that's the case and you can rotate, I mean, the reason why you don't want to do that, why you don't want to put in your defense in that situation is because you tire out your defense. Mm-hmm. Well, So if you're able to then go to the bench, bring in fresh bodies the whole time, you're not going to tire out. Gives yourself a better chance to win. And the last bow on this is special teams. Go count how many go-ahead drives team had, teams had against Nebraska last year, and I don't have the answer. I just know what happened. And that's, again, looking at those three ball games last year that were the coin flips that you didn't get done. Iowa, Northwestern, Minnesota. And look at the go-ahead drive for Minnesota. Look at the go-ahead drive for Northwestern. Go look at the go-ahead drive for Iowa. We're talking a 40 to 55-yard field to drive because your special teams were a nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had a short-ass field. <laughs> yeah. You had a short field uh, for that defense 
that was back on the field because your offense went three and out again. Yeah, dude, it's like, it's time. <laughs> it's time. No more excuses. Just, you know, year four. Um, you know, the, the, the people that have been here a long time and have lasted and have not transferred have been through now four years of mm-hmm. what I still believe is a great strength and conditioning and nutrition program. That, that should start to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. It just it just needs to. After four years, it has to. Well, uh, and then and and then I think and and there's not another. I can't think of a position where you are so void of talent. I I don't think I don't think you're dealing with that either. No. You, you you don't have a, a some glaring hole that is some other staff's fault or some you know crazy unfortunate set of circumstances like. You don't have that either. No, what, what, you, what you have right now is you're fixing your missteps from what you thought the league was and what you what you needed body type-wise. Yeah. What you, what, that's what you're fixing now in year four. The, the mistakes and missteps transitioning from where you were at to the Big Ten. To what the job Fair. is versus what you thought the job was, personnel-wise. And that's yeah. okay. Everyone's got to adjust. Cranach will let you clean up the uh, the broken glass. Yeah, you'll see what that's all about. Uh-huh. Pour another, right. and uh, we'll rewind here in a moment with Barry Alvarez. Weekend edition of Tale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. So we need you to announce the fact that trucks and boats. Now it's time to get back to the Hale Varsity Radio Show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it. You two guys leave me no choice. No television for a week. What? Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, a legend is retiring, and he's been a joy to have on the program for a number of years. Uh, Wisconsin Athletic Director and Coach Barry Alvarez, a standout Husker. Coach, congrats on, on what a wonderful career. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Chris. Take me through the, the decision process here. Uh, coach to to step away and was it hard is it time I mean how are you feeling right now I, I feel great you know and I was going to retire in January you know and and with COVID you know I just didn't think that was the time to pass the baton and have uh, a new person have the burden of trying to work through that Chancellor asked if I would stay on and help us get through it hopefully we're we're in the tail end of it now but uh I, I just felt like it was time you know i'm 74 years old and my wife's been trying to encourage me to do this for the last couple of years so i just think it's time mary alvarez with us coach i want to get back to to your career in a moment but can you put into words for the audience just from your position what it's been like to to navigate try and navigate this pandemic as an athletic director you know what? It's it's it was draining because you know first and foremost, what we tried to do was keep the health and safety of our student athletes and uh, coaches and and our employees at the forefront. <clears throat> make decisions uh, based on that. Make medical decisions, um, and 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 as we move forward, you get different information uh, daily. You know, you learn more and more about the virus, and um, so. You know, you're trying to make decisions. You're trying to anticipate some things. And, uh, you know, it, it was just, it was really a draining process and a difficult process. Were you able to, with, with your position and your experience, dealing with something like this that no one's dealt with in this country for a century, were you, were you able to, to calm some fears with the student-athletes? 
you know what? We try to be uh, very open with them and their parents. You know, we, w- we work through our coaches. Uh, we, we, you know, we would have Zoom calls and informational se- sessions on testing, and a- as we got the information, uh, how we were going to test, what we knew, uh, how, you know, precautions we were going to take. You know, so you know, we, I, I thought we did a good job of communicating all the information we had. So that uh, you know, parents had answers and mm-hmm. and student athletes had answers. Barry Alvarez with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach is uh, retiring here at the end of June. Uh, a marvelous run as athletic director at Wisconsin, Hall of Fame head coach. So, coach, when did you know you wanted to to make the jump and become an athletic director? And kind of take me through your thought process, if you can, in your career, in your football life, where you wanted to, to run a program uh, from the administrative side, not just the coaching. You know, th- this is pretty well documented. I uh, I really admired Bob Devaney and, and what he did and really tried to pattern my career after his. I can remember when Pat Richter interviewed me and talked about you know, my my vision forward, and I, I told him, I said, I, you know, I want to do what, what, what Coach Devaney did. I want to turn that football program around. I want to sustain it. When I'm ready to step down from football, I want to take over the athletic department, take your job when you retire, uh, and continue to build the athletic department. That was that was my vision all along. Uh, he, I joined the senior staff while I was coaching, uh, and then uh, as, as he retired, the, the, the then Chancellor came to me and asked if I was. We're in, we're in the process of building our our suites and, and mm-hmm. renovating the stadium, and we came to, right after nine eleven. We came to a standstill, and he came to me and asked. He said, "You know, uh, we're, we're asking people for donations. They want to know, you know, the direction of the athletic department. They, who, who's going to lead it? Uh, would you take over?" And uh, you know, I had some questions for him and. Uh, you know, we were able to work it out. So I did both for a couple of years and then uh, moved into the director spot. How was it doing both? What was that like? Well, that was a grind. <laughs> you know, it's hard enough during football season to, to, to manage football. Um, you got to lean on a lot of people. I had a very good deputy, and Jamie Pollard was my deputy at the time. Um, you know, but you know all the decisions still run through me and ran through me and uh, you know it was it was difficult but uh, it, it was manageable what do you remember talking to coach Devaney about when it comes to to being an ad reaching out to him uh with uh with with questions with advice i mean coach Devaney was such a mentor to so many yeah I, you know what I, I really never talked to him uh, about being the athletic director, I was coaching. You know, I anytime, and I had a daughter that went to school. My oldest daughter went to school there. You know, so if I when I went back, I'd go in and sit down and visit with him. And most of my discussion with him was about football and uh, what was going on in football. I had him come out after that first Rose Bowl that we had. I wanted him to uh, come out and speak to uh, our high school coaches association and. Uh, watch a little bit of our practice, spend a weekend with us, which he did and really appreciated. But uh, I really never talked to him about being the athletic, you know, about athletic director decisions. You know, he had passed, I think, by the time mm-hmm. I, I took over as director. But I did, you know, anytime I was close to him or 
in town, I go and sit down and visit with him, mainly about football. Barry Alvarez with us on Hale Varsity. And when it comes to your career, um, Coach Alvarez, were there some twists and turns? Uh, I look at your your ascension from from Lexington and before that at Lincoln Northeast and then uh, in Iowa and then you, you get hired away to uh, to the University of Iowa and then Notre Dame and then you start your own show at, at Wisconsin. What, um, what do you remember about climbing the ladder? Uh, and were you able to be patient with, uh, with the, the different stops you had in your career? Well, you know, uh, I always knew where I wanted to end up. Uh, it, it's difficult to get a, an opportunity to go to, to get into college football. Um, I, I can remember I, I left Lincoln. I was very happy in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, and But at that time, Link, the Lincoln public schools weren't elevate. You know, they would not elevate an assistant coach or hadn't at that time. So I knew if I wanted to move up in the business, I had to take a head coaching job. That's why I took the, the Lexington job. It was a great move. I, I really enjoyed my my two years in Lexington. Had some great kids, some really good players. I thought I didn't want, did not want to leave Lexington. I had uh, most of those, the, the, my better kids were all sophomores when I went there. A number of them started at that sophomore year. I think we ended up second in the state. And I think four or five of those guys ended up playing in, in Lincoln. Uh, and then and playing other places. The next year, we were about the same. Uh, I thought I had the best team in the state coming back as a senior. And out of the clear blue, I get a call from a former uh, Nebraskan, Roger Clough, who had been at Mason City for two years, uh, saying that he was looking for – they've gone through the – they're looking for a football coach, gone through the, the uh, interview process a couple times, couldn't find who they wanted. He said, I've been following you. Would you be interested? And I wasn't interested in leaving. And, and uh, he said, "I'll, you know, I'll fly you and your wife out here." And my wife said, "You know, we don't have anything to do this weekend. Let's do it." <laughs> and so we did. And uh, you know, they hadn't had much success. And and you know, we looked. She said, "You know, this is really a nice town. How you know how to win? Uh, let's let's do it." You know. And and so we ended up doing that. We moved across. We left Lexington in a U-Haul and a, and a borrowed hay truck to move oh, wow. to Mason City. And uh, our, our second year there, we were pretty good. Third year, we won a state championship, and that's the year Aiden Fry and Donnie Duncan came came to Iowa and Iowa State. Both of them offered me a job, and I'd, I'd known Hayden. I've uh, known of Hayden and uh, felt I could really learn from him, and that was a of a staff that I, I joined there at Iowa. And I was really happy at Iowa. I was there eight years and uh, wasn't looking for anything uh, for another job when Lou Holtz called and, and actually recruited me. Um, you know, and after one year there, promoted me to uh, from linebacker coach to defensive coordinator. We win the national championship, win 25, I think 25 of the next 26 games. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm a hot property. So, uh, that's how I ended up at Wisconsin. Well, and when it came down to your your path, you were always courted. I mean, folks w- recognized the talent, the ability, the success, and said, we got to have Coach Alvarez be our next. And was there ever a, a, a time that, that Lincoln called you to come this way? 
No. No. No, I never had an opportunity to go there. Um, uh, I had opportunities to go to a lot of places, including a few NFL teams. But, you know, again, I'd always go back. It was always flattering when somebody came after you. And a lot of really good jobs. Mm. Some of the better jobs in the country. But, you know, I, we'd go back. My wife and I, we didn't want to be coaching vagabonds. Right. We wanted to plant our roots someplace, raise our family someplace, and call someplace home. And, uh, you know, we would always, you know, decide to stay right there. Barry Alvarez, a couple more minutes with us. Hail Varsity Radio, uh, incredible career retiring here at the end of June as athletic director at Wisconsin. Coach, uh, with uh, the the transition from coaching to the athletic department, uh, you have the ability to... Well, kind of go go a certain direction, and, and it's it's being a CEO, you know, with with what you got to do from a fundraise. It's a it's a chance to to generate money. It's a chance to give back. Obviously, how and you're you're retiring, but with an agent name, image, and likeness that's ongoing in the transfer portal, those, those are two big things that that are going on with college football how would you you deal with that how would you combat it to to make it a a good spot for everyone yeah you know first of all i'm really concerned about the future of our of our business and and uh you know i've always been a proponent of of uh doing whatever we can for for the student athletes i think some of the rules we've had the nc2a rules we've had over the years have been ridiculous rules to make rules you know we Mm. Used to be the, the rules on meals, uh, you know, all the different things. I think name, image, and likeness is the same thing. You know, if a kid is talented enough and and can use uh, social media to generate money uh, and you know be of value, uh, they should be able to take advantage of that. Or uh, you know, if someone wants to use their their image or use them to m- promote their business, they should be able to do that. Um, I just don't want it to get to the point where you're using that as enticement or, or re, for recruiting purposes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you take it to a new level where, you know, uh, coaches go out or schools go out and, and, and drum up, you know, sponsors for athletes before they even bring them in to use to entice athletes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the lawsuits, the, you know, that are coming out where, the, you know, players want a percentage of the, of, uh, you know, income, et cetera, they forget most schools are losing money. Most athletic departments are losing money. Um, you know, I, I, I really think it, it still has to be based on education. You know, and I, I tell our people all the time, I tell our, our administration, I, I never recruited a kid and told, guaranteed them that, they'd, that they would start or they'd play. I guaranteed them we'd support them to get an education. That's what they're coming there for. And that's, you know, I believe that, uh, from the time I went to Nebraska. And so I, I don't want to get too far away from that. It, you know, college athletics is not, never should be pay for play. Mm-hmm. Transfer portal. I mean, that is, and, and we're looming on the NCAA passing the, uh, the, the one-time transfer kind of free pass set up. And uh, people benefit from from transfers and and doesn't always benefit the kid because uh, it may not be easier 
even though the grass looks a little bit greener, greener somewhere else. I mean, how, how have you been able to, to cope with the transfer? Yeah. I know Wisconsin's been pretty good about not losing kids, but other yeah. places are. Yeah. We're, we're fortunate. We have a good place. People to, you know, you couldn't run some of our guys out with a cattle prod. <laughs> you know, uh, when you have a good place. And I, I, I put the onus on the coaches. You know, you're recruiting a, a person, a student athlete, you, you get a chance to go into their home, see what kind of background they have. Are they, do they have helicopter parents? Mm-hmm. Are, there some, are they someone that's going to be spoiled, someone you're going to have to de-recruit? Um, and then I, I put the onus on the coaches uh, to build a relationship with the student athletes uh, so that they want to play hard and play for those coaches. And, you know, I've said all along, I said in Big Ten meetings, if, you know, if a student athlete doesn't want to be there, I don't want him there. Go ahead and transfer, mm-hmm. and that. But you've got to change. Now everybody's got to adjust, and you've got to have someone uh, that that's on top of not just your, uh, you know, overseeing juniors and seniors coming out of high school. You've got to be have someone on top of the portal and see if there's something that that fits you that you can go out and and recruit or go out and sign. So you you just have to adjust with the with the times. But I think it's it's fair for the student athletes if. You know, they, they, they see they have an opportunity to, uh, for a better experience. Then I, I, I don't have an issue with it. I really don't. Winding down a few more minutes here. Barry Alvarez with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach retiring here at the end of June. A long and super productive career as AD and head coach at Wisconsin. Coach, what are you most proud of uh, as AD? I mean, what, what's, what do you want to be remembered for? Well, you know, it, it goes back to football. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our, when I went there, I think our budget was probably $14 million, the athletic department, and, and they were $2 million in debt. Um, you know, they're, they're really, I think hockey was probably the only consistently good team at the time. Uh, so to build an athletic department, you have to fill the stadium. You know, you have to have success in football uh, so that you can fund – at a, at, a, at a high enough level, the other sports that you have. In our case, we've got 23 other sports. And, and so the fact that we were able to have success in football, fill the stadium, and then help build the remainder of the athletic program, and then sustain it. The hard thing is to sustain it. Um, and I think since 93, we have, you know, to, to think of some of the schools out there and the brand names around the country, <clears throat> And, and, and at that point, Wisconsin had been to six bowls in the history of the school. Mm. And from that point, and our basketball team hadn't been to a, a tournament, NC2A tournament, since the 40s. And from that point on, we have more bowl appearances and NC2A basketball appearances than any school in the country. You know, that, that talks about consistency and longevity. And uh, that, that's, that's pretty special. And so that, that's the, what's make, what makes me so proud is what we've, we've been able to build and sustain. Coach, how much golf are you going to play? Well, um, I'm down in Florida right now. Um, <laughs> not very good. My wife even beats me now occasionally. Uh, I'll play two or three times a week. But I, I'm not going to – you know, I, I have to find some other things to do because – uh, golf isn't isn't as satisfying for me as it used to be. Well, I I think if you 
maybe you, you, you zoom out and do four or five times a week, maybe maybe you start winning. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the one thing I won't do is practice, so you probably won't get any better unless you practice. <laughs> so, you're, so you're no to the practice side. I like it. I like it. Barry Alvarez with us. Coach, uh, thanks so much. It's been so many uh, right. great conversations. Take care. All right. Have a great day, Chris. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back into it, weekend edition, hour two at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Rainek, Damon Barr. We bring in the managing editor for HailVarsity.com and magazine, author with John Cook. Dream like a champion. It's Saturday, and we say hi to Brandon Vogel at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, how was the uh, the Friday night? Anything fun? Um, no, not 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 too much. It was pretty. Pretty quiet, so yeah. Sorry, that's a terrible answer. Now that I think that, about it, I didn't do anything. That is a terrible answer, um, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay because we had a terrible first hour. I had terrible takes. It's just a terrible. I, I don't. I don't believe so. I'm, um, I'm just kidding. I'm just. Kidding. I'm just trying to make Brandon feel better. By I mean, there was answer, there was broken there was broken glass when talking about the Nebraska offense. Craig that was as blaming his child. Uh, it was a cereal bowl, by the way. That's <laughs> okay. what it was. In case I, anybody was wondering, I believe cereal you. Bowl broke. Hey, I before we jump into football because there's a lot to get into. I just want to pick Brandon's brain about volleyball because I was there at um at at the final four. It's your got fault. To see some of the got to see some of the teams up close and personal. I don't want to make too much of it, Brandon, but the way Texas looked, I'm just like, Kentucky has no chance. I I didn't think Wisconsin had any chance either. Um, That was the first time in a while that I've seen Nebraska look almost outclassed. You know, they look mortal. Yeah, they have no answer for for this tech. And I don't want to make too much of it, but it almost reminded me of like the Tamarick Vanover Florida State years and – you know, when they were just so far ahead of everybody talent-wise, they were just like, you got to figure something out and if you're going to try to compete with this group. is Has Texas reached that sort of level, or is it maybe just flash-in-the-pan one-year thing? Because, look, they, they completely dismantled Wisconsin and, you know, swept them in three games. Like, you're talking about the consensus number one team in America – and Texas just made them look silly. Like, is there is there something that Texas has discovered that Nebraska needs to respond to, or do you think it's a one-year kind of aberration thing? Well, I think Texas Texas played really, really well in in that match, and and honestly, the, what they did to Wisconsin was was more surprising to me than than what happened to Nebraska. I was I was kind of cautiously optimistic about Nebraska's chances going into that. You know, knowing that how how healthy Lawrence Difference was was going to be a big part of that, but Texas won, played well, and then they also you know had a good approach. They they really exposed, I think, some of Nebraska's weaknesses that we didn't get to see a ton of in a conference only shortened season with with Nebraska. And you know, I don't know if that's exactly what happened to Wisconsin as well, but. 
I, you know, as well as Texas played against Nebraska, I expected that to be kind of a knockdown drag out fight between, between the Badgers and the Longhorns. And they just, they cruise. Yeah, they're, they're super athletic. Um, they're obviously an established program with a coaching staff that's been there for a long time. So it might just be, you know, a, one of those kind of singular collections of talent for them. I mean, Texas is never going to fall too far, but I think watching them just tear through Nebraska and Wisconsin back to back teams that were in the top five all year long. And I mean, Texas was, was in the top five, even in the, during that split fall season, um, you just you have it, it made me, made you wonder if the fact that Nebraska and Wisconsin didn't get to play each other. This was the first team like that they had seen. I mean, Minnesota's good, Ohio State's good, um, but this was just a different level. And I was on the other side of it. You know, Kentucky's been really really good all year as well. But but I agree with you. It's the way that Texas is playing and the run that they're on, um, it, it looks like it's going to be an uphill fight for the Wildcats. They they look Texas looked unbeatable with what they did to Nebraska, and I'm like the most novice volleyball guy there is. But with how physical and athletic and and powerful they were, that's uh, the word. Answer, that's the word in person. Yeah, answering you, you, the relentless amount of power that comes out at you and then they always I mean, it was just answer. like wisconsin just wore out you're uh-huh. just like are you kidding me they're doing that again and they're in systems so often it like they just look heads and tails better <laughs> than wisconsin and nebraska like it doesn't even it's not even close in person honestly like you there was no even when wisconsin came back and made it interesting you felt like they had to, like everything had to go perfect and they had to expend so much energy to get there. And then Texas just, sorry, I sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 you, no, well, no, do it <laughs> for my volley, for my novice volleyball. Thing. No, they just, what they did in Nebraska, I'm like, they're winning it. Right. I mean, I'm going to, I have no audio proof, but that's what was going through my, my mind. I'm like, man, if they did that to Nebraska, no one's touching them. And even when Nebraska won, and this isn't Nebraska's fault, Vogues, but how many service errors? Like, Texas's serving sucked the set they lost to Nebraska. And there were so many shots to the net where, bless Nebraska's heart, you'll take the points. Texas still has to execute. But when Nebraska was on the attack, Texas always had some sort of answer, and then they turn it into a point. So I just fast-forwarded that. And, said they're, and I didn't watch Texas against Wisconsin, but I'm like, yeah. Saw the, the the score the next day. I'm like, okay, they swept uh, Wisconsin. I mean, that's that's really like you want both to lose. If we're just being angry sports fan here, Wisconsin and Texas, oh. <laughs> right? But I'm like, man, Texas Texas was looking uh, too good to to be defeated based on what they did to Nebraska. Yeah, I I, I kind of expected Kentucky to cruise past past Washington, um, you know, Washington had, had to go to five sets and, and really rally to even get there. Um, and, and they were another team, of course, that only played in the spring and even had, I think, fewer matches coming in than Nebraska. Um, so, yeah, it's just Texas looks like it has hit its stride. Um, and, you know, and there was a little bit of crisis for the Longhorns, too, because they uh, got pushed late in the year by Rice, um, which yeah. everybody kind of in, in the volleyball world was like, what is that? <laughs> um, but, hey, it might be one of those deals where 
you got the wake up call you needed to to play your peak at exactly the right time. Brandon Vogel's with us, HailVarsity.com and magazine managing editor at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. So speaking of wake up calls, what do you make of Greg Austin's thoughts this week about the offensive line and your your general takeaway, it's one practice, it's one post practice. Does it shade how you feel a week from today goes for the offense? Does it heighten what you need to see from, from the offense or is it all just spring and it's it's just chopping wood at this point? Yeah, I didn't I didn't put too much into it. I mean I guess if you know if you're if you're to assign a winner and a loser for for every practice, well, you'd have one every practice, right? Um, <laughs> I kind of read it as, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that the defense got the better of it that day, um, but it's one of those things, you know, where you have to show up for a Zoom meeting that you're not totally prepared for, offer a, a status update and be like, yeah, shipping was really off today um, <laughs> or, or whatever, whatever it may be. It's probably true for that day, but, I, you know, I, I'm not – using that to alter my, I guess, long-term expectations for the offense, which, you know, I've, I'm having a hard time this offseason even knowing what, what my long-term expectations for the offense are. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of questions. I mean, the majority of the questions for Nebraska in 2021 are on that side. So I think seeing something from that group in the in the spring game would would help a little bit, uh, would, would help for, make for a, a more pleasant off season. But, but who knows, even, even then good or bad, uh, you got to put that in the proper context as well of, Hey, just one game controlled, controlled circumstances. So it, it'll be good to, to get that, that long of a look at, at both sides of the ball really though for Nebraska. You know, I wonder, Brandon, are we maybe too quick to dismiss the contributions of veteran offensive linemen because I, I think back and when I say we I mean collectively sort of the fan base the Nebraska stakeholders <laughs> fans media whatever um, you think back to 18 Foster and Farmer leaving ended up being a, a much tougher thing to replace than I think most people gave it credit for now we're going into something similar where you, you lose Farniok and Hymas and I think the knee-jerk reaction as well you're going to upgrade there those guys you know they're not high draft picks. Do, do you think Nebraska will feel their loss? Maybe more so than we're thinking that we will. Yeah, probably. Um, I think you'll notice it, or you have the potential to notice it the most early because returning offensive line starts more so than just returning offensive linemen is, is a pretty good predictor of you know an offense progressing or regressing. And, and Nebraska's overall, its overall returning production, when you factor in rushing yards, passing yards, and receiving yards as well, is a little over 50%, which is low. Um, that is the type of returning production where you're in this like gray area to slash trending downward where you'd say, well, most teams in this spot take at least a slight step back. I think there are good reasons to think that Nebraska maybe – outweighs, you know, kind of the historical trend there. But I think you're right. I think in, in 2019 is a really good example of you lost two guys, um, two guys who were uh, maybe valued as much for what they provided leadership-wise as, as the actual play on the field. But just having those, those experienced guys matters a lot. Now, 
I, like I think a lot of other people, can look at that offensive line and see the size and the athleticism and the type of players that Nebraska has brought in and be long-term um, bullish on, on that group, and I am. But it may get, you know, there, there's going to be some kinks to work out in, I think, the first four or five games of the season. Um, and that just comes with, hey, Turner Corcoran looks like he's going to be really, really good. But he's going to be, <laughs> when he goes down to, to play Oklahoma, that's going to be the first time he's seen anything like that. And I know that they'll get a game in against Illinois, a fellow Big Ten team, which will help a little bit. But Oklahoma is just a different level. And you see that often in the Big Ten. That's a great point. I'm bullish with you on this offensive line because of the youth, because of the the season they've had right now of more development, right? You're going to get better uh, as a younger player, getting more snaps. I like the adjustment to practice that's been talked about where you're going to correct on the field or air quote, run it again versus just kind of talking about it in film or in a meeting afterwards, right? They, they've got to be more disciplined with holding or false starts. And we got a little bit of a look-see as to, well, why the hell, if you practice so much, are there false starts and holdings? I mean, holdings are going to happen. I, I get it. But, you know, you and I both know that it was just uh, shoot self in foot and hit repeat quite a bit for Nebraska's offensive line. And they're, they're better than that. They're, they're really better than that. So I'm, I'm anxious to see this guard spot play out. And, you know, good for a guy like Sichterman Vogues that has been here. He's kept grinding. He's got that eye on the prize, and that's to win a starting spot. He's trying to fend off a guy like Banks, who's massive. And, and he's also been here a little while, but hasn't had any starting time. You got a guy like Piper getting pushed, and then you have some depth behind your two tackles on top of Jurgens, who's you know been in this program a while. I really like what the offensive line can be with your veteran quarterback. Now, let's talk running back for a second. Turn it down. <laughs> let's talk quarterback. Sorry. You're good. I, I wasn't hearing anything. It's all right. All right. Um, except for your uh, incredible parenting skills, I love that. <laughs> I Turn it be down. Quick on that. Turn I hit mute. It's all right. No. The, the, defense, the, run, the running backs, old, the running backs their, is where I was going. Their defense, going. they're turning on old Husker games. Oh, really? So it's good. Okay. It's good, but it just got a little, I'm like, turn it down. So up. are we going to hear uh, CP, Christian Peter, like smashing like Christmas ornaments on his forehead? Uh, you know, are they the, uh, the, the, the decade of excellence or whatever? When what, I say old, I'm talking like Riley. Ah, Colleen. okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> not, not our old. Um, <laughs> no, because like, why is that so blurry? I'm like, look. There's this whole HDS. Never mind. <laughs> Vogue's the running game. Can that pair successfully with this offensive line? I think so. Um, there's there's a lot of moving parts there, and we're probably not, you know, a week from today, probably not going to get a great feel for what the running back situation looks like even after that, not knowing uh, who's available and, and, and who isn't. I, Looking at last year's numbers, I mean, the running game for Nebraska was 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 strong, almost like any way you want to look at it in terms of big plays. Uh, their explosive play rate was high. Their success rate was extraordinarily high. So, I mean, they've kind of got a high bar. And, and we saw last year that that alone wasn't enough for Nebraska. Now, 
Yeah, I think it still needs to be sort of their their sharpest knife in the drawer. For Nebraska to get where it wants to go, it's going to get there through your success on the ground. And it's just it's it's a tough one to to kind of handicap in terms of what I expect for for 2021 just because of how much newness is there with the offensive line. But if you can, you know, success on the ground, as, as much as talent, I mean, obviously you, you want talent. Um, a, a singular running back is a great thing to have. But that one, you know, through coaching and instruction, like you can be a really good running team through that alone. And, and it's Nebraska getting there was last year something of a sign of that because I don't know if we came away from 2020 and be like, well, yeah, you know, there was this fatal flaw and this fatal flaw and this one, but the running game was really good. I think the running game just kind of got eclipsed by by a few of those other things. So I'm really interested to see where Nebraska goes from from where it left off in 2020. And the thing about 2020 is, is that those are conference-only numbers. Like, if they had played a non-conference schedule, they probably would have been top 10 or top, maybe even top 5 in, in rushing success rate. Um, and, and, you know, it's strange to think that those three games you'd normally open the year with can, can alter perception that much, but, but they probably would have. If, if Nebraska had been a top 10 rushing team, it, we'd be talking about it nonstop this offseason. Um, they got close, and it just, you know, due to the record and, and due to the way that they lost, we kind of lose sight of that. So I look at the run game as it left off in a really, really good place from 2020, actually. Um, you don't want as much quarterback run as you had to use, but well, <laughs> that's, that remains another variable here. So where can they go? Um, and it's just there's, there's so many names to, to kind of kick around between running back and offensive line. It's it's hard for me at least to to get a real good beat on it. You know that's it's funny you bring that up because it, yeah I think the perception is is Brandon despite the numbers that they were uh, I, to use a basketball term almost like garbage yards right because they're just sort of quarterback scramble outside a system McCaffrey kind of doing whatever or even Wandale playing tailback and he's now transferred. You know, Adrian making something out of nothing. I think that's the perception. Do you think that's an, a good perception to have, an accurate perception? Or do you think maybe people aren't giving Nebraska enough credit for the run success they had? I think even when you remove that part of it, and, and you, do, you do have to, like if you just want to boil down to, hey, when Nebraska lines up to hand the ball off, how well do they do? I think it still gets oh, – over overlooked a little bit, but, but you're right. Like the, the quarterback piece of this and its influence on those numbers has to be accounted for. Um, and, and, you know, we've, we've seen those games where, where Nebraska in the past hasn't had a traditional handoff run game, you know, to go back to 2019 against, against Minnesota, they had really nothing. And, and it just looked, well, Minnesota looked like Vincent Nebraska just ground them down and did whatever they wanted. Um, you play Wisconsin that same season, and all of a sudden the run game can't be stopped against a defense that is annually in the, the top 10. So finding some consistency there, and I think, I think part of the issue with that consistency is – those, those games where they do have to go to the quarterback run, or maybe they dial it up a little bit more early. Um, 
is Nebraska in a spot where it can be like, we have this weapon, we have an Adrian Martinez and his ability when we want to use it, but we feel good enough about the other piece of it to where we don't. And, you know, are they capable of putting up the same numbers as they, they have in the past? It, it might be a little bit less, but I still think they could be a top 25 rushing offense if Adrian Martinez is running it two or three fewer times a game. That's my question. What's the pitch count, right? Because Adrian looks phenomenal. He's He looks way faster. He looks super shifty. And if he were to, to pull on a zone read and take off around the edge, I mean, I, that, that first play of his career where he went down the sideline against Colorado, this was a scramble, obviously, where he made a move and got outside contain. But, man, as good as he looks – I'd be running him a lot. They've already run him a lot in his career, but uh, it's gonna—it's it, got to shift, doesn't it? To quality versus quantity. I mean, just just in the name of protection, Vogues. Yeah, I think in, in, in both in terms of protecting him, yeah. Um, yeah. which you know, when we we look at, you know. He's missed games every year, and you look at Nebraska's backup quarterback situation, and we'll see how that shakes out. It'll be interesting to get an extended look at both of those guys too. Um, but you, you get real young in a, in a hurry there if if that's the way you got to go. But but also in terms of just protecting the football, um, you know, I know you and I, Schmidt, talked about it a few weeks ago, but. 27 career fumbles for for Adrian Martinez. I think 17 lost. You know, at this point. I, I don't know if that's something you can coach into him or, or coach around outside of just, hey, the fewer carries, the fewer opportunities there are for that to happen. And, I mean, I understand there's still sacks, where, which is a whole other thing in terms of quarterbacks. But, yeah, protect, protect Martinez, protect the football. Uh, you can do that with uh, giving a greater share to the running backs. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Is um... – does the Oregon go fast offense? Is that just a thing of the past? Like, has that has that approach or that desire to be like that just been completely abandoned? Is this going to be just an entirely new style of offense that Frost is trying to employ? I think going fast for fast's sake, maybe waning. Um, how fast Nebraska actually goes is, is, in my mind, a matter of, of how much success they're having. So if, if these plays are, are hitting and they're consistently on schedule um, and, and staying ahead of the change, chains, I wouldn't be surprised to see them you know, dial it up. Maybe dial it up to an even greater degree than they have. They just haven't had the consistent kind of success and, and, and even that feels like a little bit of a misnomer because their success rate's been really strong. So they have success, they have success, and then you get a tackle for loss or you get a sack or one of your bubble screens isn't caught and bounces out of bounds eight yards behind the line of scrimmage. And those things just kill a tempo offense. And, and they kill you. they don't kill a tempo offense. They kill your ability to be able to, to go that way. You know, it, it's really kind of like a street fighter flurry of punches type of deal where – hey, as long as you're moving forward, you can keep going as fast as you want. And, and Nebraska moves forward the majority of the time. It's just those, those negative plays that have, that have really hurt them. So I think I look at Nebraska's tempo in 2021 as, and, you know, we, we all know what Greg Austin said, and 
certainly want to give that weight of, hey, let's slow down um, and see if we can help this at times. So I think I expect them to be selective. And the more success, the more consistent success they have, the, the faster they'll be able to go. Um, I guess the, the best way to sum that up might be how good Nebraska's offense looks will probably tell you how fast they went at the end of things. Brandon Vogel's with us. Vogues, have a good weekend. Real quick, what's coming up with Hale Varsity? Yeah, we got the April issue out this this week. Uh, it's a really good issue. So back to work on, on May and uh, kind of deep into yearbook prep already for June. Um, so, so we've got that. We'll have a baseball recap from the weekend. Uh, got out softball for some, some photos last night, which is on site now. Um, and we've got to kind of – a full slate prepping for the spring game and then some volleyball review next week coming up on com. That is awesome. Vogues, have a great weekend. Thanks for the time today. Thank you. All right, there he is, Thanks, managing sir. editor, Brandon Vogel, com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel. I love talking offense, and I know it's uh, topics that you're, as a Nebraska fan, you're probably just banging your head against the wall with because – there's so much evidence of it being really, really good. It's just it just comes down to the consistency. There's enough evidence to and data that shows there's been success, but it's been the missteps that they're trying to eliminate and, and really focusing on Cranach with the the attention to detail and fundamentals, which are really two boring words, but uh, it's necessary when you look at yeah. what's what's held them back. You know they've yeah. put up they put up yards against Iowa. They've put up yards against Wisconsin. They've put up yards against Northwestern. They've done that a lot in their tenure here, and just kind of comes down to taking care of the damn football. <laughs> yeah, and they've done it without like whenever you want to run the ball, uh, your deep play action passing game is is the ultimate compliment, right? Right, like always, and that that was non-existent too. Sure, you know, and so you're just like. Yeah, and those are fundamental things, right? Mm-hmm. Like fundamental things to if you are going to have a run heavy offense, your counter to that has to be <laughs> mid to deep play action pass. It doesn't have to be, but like no, I mean just it's go, so complementary to what you're trying to do, and that was just non-existent, well, you know. And so you're yeah, didn't get it's, separation it, it like, a lot of times, or you missed the pass. Yeah, it just if feels like one hand tied behind your back. Yes. Often enough that uh, you just hope that gets fixed because there's some pieces. Look, we were talking about receivers earlier. I know mm-hmm. we got to get to breaks. We got to get to Gary. But like we didn't even bring up like Xavier Betts, who talent wise might be one a. He's, on, he's on the, a, a specimen. Guy's incredible. And he, Alante Brown, we haven't mm-hmm. even mentioned. Sure. Right. It's just like you have depth. You have options. Can were, you get them the ball? Were you uh, pleased with the uh, the photos you got last week? Oh, the, with Omar Manning's calves? Well, I didn't, dude. I'm not creepy. I I sent you a a picture of of the wide receiver group. All I saw was Omar Manning's I, calves, I, and I, then a bunch of things around it. <laughs> so yeah, they were impressive. Well, Sharpie was sitting next to me in the end zone. He's like, "What are you doing? Taking a picture for Krenak? No. Yeah, you were, uh-huh. and it's okay. It's okay. It filled up half the frame, even though you were a hundred yards away. Uh-huh. Well, what does yeah. that tell you? My, I, I what does that tell you? Phenomenal photography. Nebraska's skills. future rides on Omar Manning's cabs. Uh-huh. There we go. Gary yeah. Sharp's with us next. The Tale of Our City Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now back 
with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Weekend edition, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr. We welcome in the Iron Horse. It is Gary Sharp. Sharpie, good to spend some time with you. Let's go back to last Saturday, and what'd you think? What'd you like? Uh, I like the I like the idea of having an open practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's easy to get to see a full practice, but it was nice to see um, guys uh, that you had not seen before what they look like. Uh, you know, I'm not not making any sweeping generalizations or you know takeaways or how it's going to change expectations. One thing that stands out right away, and people will see this next Saturday if you haven't already seen it, is. Physically, Nebraska looks entirely different. Nebraska looks like a Big Ten team, whether it be their linemen, um, defensive backs, wide receivers, you know, outside of Omar Manning. They look like a Big Ten team. But I think it was important for fans to see, media to see, in a structure like that, that there is no downtime. And, you know, they've got everything uh, structured out in all the different periods. So it was good to see. And, you know, it was good to see Omar Manning in uniform. Disappointing not to see the, the key running backs that were dressed. Um, but I think we saw enough that, you know, quenched the thirst of uh, football. And, you know, the most important day probably of uh, spring camp to me was this past Wednesday when they had their last major scrimmage because next Saturday it's for the fans. Mm-hmm. They just want to see how guys react in front of fans and, you know, go out there and have a lot of fun. But I liked it last week, and uh, I-, I hope they continue that down the road. I doubt they'll do it in the fall for the general public, but I, I hope that becomes a spring thing. Is uh, Jacquez Yant, or is it Yant? I've heard him pronounce both. Yant. Let's go with Yant. Um, Is he more like Jay Sims, where, hey, walk on, that's actually going to get some playing time and will contribute? Or more like Brian Knuckles, guy that will be awesome in the spring game, (laughs) but just won't ever play? Take a a drink. We have a Brian Knuckles Uh, mention this morning. (laughs) You know what, though? That's that's, – by the way, Brian Knuckles, boy, we don't we don't have enough time to tell stories about Brian <laughs> Knuckles at Nebraska. Um, you know that's that's a fair question that I think we all kind of ask because he's noticeable. First of all, he's a running back that wears zero, and he's a big dude. He's six two. They list him at two twenty five. Come on, man, who are we kidding? He's about two forty. Um, he's a big guy that you can actually hear when he runs. He rumbles, but and and it's. You know, I don't want to go all in, but I'm very intrigued because, you know, the, why, the reason he ended up in Nebraska is you know, he, SEC schools kind of waited on him, and he had the Travis Fisher connection, and so he saw Nebraska as the place that he could end up, and he has taken advantage of his opportunity. So I'll be curious to see where he is in the pecking order when they get around to the fall. Is he going to be one of those guys that is in the top three or when you've got the full complement of running backs back, does he slip back? But that's the whole thing about spring. People that are off the radar, you need to grab the attention of the coaches by the way that you perform. And I think he's done enough that keeps you intrigued. But I always am fearful of somebody that gets a lot of love during the spring because there's always one of those players that everybody talks about in the spring that you have no idea if they're still on the roster when the fall comes around because you never see him again. Sharpie, Yance grabbed our attention because of his side and his physical gifts and his story about, you know, finding a way to, to get eligible and, and then making it happen for him. So he's been very uh, locked in, doing what he needs to do. And, and I really like, you know, kind of the, the light that Beckton and Coach Fisher have shed on, on Yance's story. 
That said, we we have not seen Morrison. Irvin was out. Tompkins looked good, but again, limited. There was not much contact. And and you've got Scott, plus you got Ramir. So the attention is great for Yant. Keep on it, dude. Good for you. But my attention's also to the guys that, that weren't going or or haven't gone. Are you concerned with the, the running back situation and specifically this developmental time right now in the spring that you didn't have a year ago that clearly affected your options last fall at running back? Well, we Urban was back on Wednesday. Good. Uh, and I, and I, think, I think they just did a little load management with him on Saturday. Uh, you know, we haven't seen Morrison. He's the wild card. I'm very disappointed to not see Ramir Johnson out there. But it's such a confusing running back room, guys, because on Saturday when we were able to watch – Ronald Tompkins was running back one, and Ronald Tompkins looked really good. He's, his body is different. Even Marvin Scott's body is different, who is like running back two. But Tompkins looked really, really good, better than at times you saw him last year. And then Marvin Scott, you know, had a nice little burst. It's a very confusing room that Ryan Held's got some tough decisions to make on who comes after Gabe Irvin, what's the health status of Marquis Step, and then who is third, who is fourth. Do they have a running back that's going to carry the ball 20 times a game? And do they have a running back that is going to say, man, I just don't like where I am on the depth chart. I'm going to move on. There's a, there's a lot of, and we've said this from the start, there's a lot of intriguing pieces at running back, but how are they all going to fit? And who's going to be the one to first carry the football? Those are decisions that I don't think will be wrapped up on Saturday, but it's going to be tough to go through the offseason with a little bit of uncertainty about, okay, who's the proven commodity? All right, takeaways just from reading, because I was not there. I had youth baseball to attend to uh, last <laughs> Saturday. But at the quarterback position, what I'm told, what, from what I can gather, Adrian Martinez to clear number one. Um, Smothers needs to work on his delivery. Harburg has a world of talent. Holy crap. Is that sort of your takeaway? <laughs> well, here, here's – okay, so this is the year of Adrian. You can look around the field last Saturday, and Schmitty and I were sitting next to each other, and I might have said this to you. Um, okay, they look like a Big Ten team. Okay, that's an intriguing piece. Cam Taylor-Britt is the best player in the program. Mm-hmm. Defense looks pretty solid. And then your attention focused back to the guy wearing a green jersey, number two, and it's the year of Adrian. Adrian looked good. I need Adrian to be great, I think. I don't need him just to be good. And I also need him to walk around in bubble wrap because – Behind him, I think, is a great mystery. Uh, Let's go with Logan Smothers. I I think Logan Smothers definitely has the speed. It's a lot of straight-line speed. You don't normally run in a straight line in football, but when he takes off, he can get to a spot pretty quick. Uh, I worry about his throwing the football. That needs some work. Whether whether it be the, the deep ball is really the one that I think he struggled with. The underneath passing game, he can be fine, but they've got to work a little bit on his mechanics. Harburg is, is quite, quite the guy that you go, man, he's got a big boy arm. He's 6'5". There's something there. But, boy, I don't want to see him in a football game for a couple of years. But <laughs> Harburg, I, I, you know, I was a little suspect on Harburg. Seeing him on Saturday spin the ball a little bit, I think there is something there to work with. Now, if, in my opinion, watching the quarterbacks, if Nebraska had to, let's say Martinez is out for a series or – you know, has to step aside for a game and you're playing this weekend, 
Matt Masker might actually be your number two. And that's not a knock on Matt Masker. That's a guy that knows the offense pretty well, and he looks like a solid quarterback. They've developed him a little bit. You know, he's, the gap between Martinez and the rest of the quarterbacks, guys, is pretty large. Yep. But if I was going number two, it would be Masker. But I'm concerned about the backup quarterback spot at Nebraska. There is no doubt about that. And it just, mm. and Sharpie, you're, you're right on, and it just kind of comes down to, all right, readiness and what, what can you go produce. And with Harburg, God, he's got the physical gifts like you touched on. Where's he at? Comfort level. What can you do with your offense based on his short time here? You flip it around. Logan's been here a while, and he's a gamer, and that's the the best way to describe him. But you're right about the limitations throwing the football. And that also, okay, on one hand, you have limitations because of inexperience and you're new to the program with Harburg. On the other side, and it's just going to take time. On the other side, how much better physically can you get? Are you able to do what they want you to do or hope you can do throwing the football in this offense if you're Logan? You know, what's your ceiling with that? You may know what to do. You may be a tremendous athlete, but uh, are you going to be able to, to handle the play action and get it downfield? I mean, so you're, you're, you're missing uh, a piece, so to speak, with each guy right now. Well, and it, it's also a little bit startling to see only four guys at quarterback. Yes. Um, you know, they've got, a, they've got some walk-ons coming in the fall, and, you know, the discussion will be do you, dri- do you dip into the portal and grab somebody or, or somebody in junior college. I think the thing you have to consider is how comfortable – does this staff feel with their backups to Adrian? And do they feel like there's a quarterback that is out there that would be able to come in and know the system pretty well and also be comfortable with the fact that, you know, you're probably not going to be the starter this year, but you have a chance to compete for the backup. But I think I would also look for a younger guy than an older guy that maybe gave you a couple of years. But I'm, I'm, I'm at the beginning of camp, I think we talked about it, and I said, I think they'll go and get a, a quarterback in the offseason. I'm not so slam dunk that they will because I think there's a lot about the trust factor and not having to go through a big learning curve in this offense to get somebody up to speed. Instead, relying on, okay, we got three guys that have now gone through spring. We know what they can do. Let's work on them to get them ready to come into a football game if need be. I asked Brandon about this too, Gary, but um, if you flash back to 19 after Farmer and Foster moved on, you're sort of like, oh, Nebraska's going to upgrade at that position. It, it just seemed like people dismissed their contributions and were ready to move on and thought there would be an upgrade. Are we in danger of doing the same thing here with Farniak and Hymas, where folks are like, oh, let's, you know, Riley recruits, they're finally gone now, and, you know, Frost recruits are going to be in there and Nebraska will upgrade. Do you think maybe we're dismissing their contributions and Nebraska stands to maybe take a step back? Well, I wouldn't say a step back. I, I don't think you should dismiss, dismiss the contributions of both of those guys because um, one guy started over 40 games for you. Another one started plenty of games. I think what Hyman stepping aside before the Rutgers game gave Turner Corcoran a great opportunity, and he took advantage of it. Now, he's still learning a little bit, but there's definitely the physical tools that are there that I think you can sit here today and not be concerned about the tackles. And that's a nice thing to have with this offense is, man, don't have to worry about the guy that's protecting my quarterback or the guy on the other side. 
Um, I think Nebraska will be okay on the offensive line. I think there is enough experience. Uh, a lot of those guys have played a lot of football, except for Turner Corcoran. Um, and I think they're going to be okay. I, I, the thing that I wonder about with this offensive line is, will they be a better pass pro unit, or will they be able to run block? Because if you think about the passing game, and it is upgraded in terms of the talent. Nebraska is deeper at wide receiver than they've been, and they've got different kind of wide receivers that can do a multitude of things. But it's going to come back to not, hey, can Adrian complete a deep ball? It's going to come back to can the offensive line block for five to seven seconds. Um, so they might need to be better in pass pro than running, uh, which, you know, you got to wait and see. I'll tell you another development about the offensive line this spring. You know somebody we have not heard anything about? And even watching on Saturday, Cam Jurgen snapping the football. How refreshing is that? Now, we hope that continues yep. into the fall, but that hasn't come up at all in the spring. So knock on wood, that still remains the case. Because as we know, and he looked the part, um, when Cam doesn't have snapping issues and can just play football as a center, he's pretty good. He gets to the second level and is blocking really, really well but everybody comes back to the snapping issues. I haven't heard anything this spring. I think that's a good sign. I also think, just reading into Greg Austin, I think Greg Austin likes what he's developing in his first five and that he's starting to develop another three, four behind them. But I think he also likes the fact that he's got a little bit of competition at the guard spots, including the one that Banks and Sichterman are going at it. And I think Matt Sichterman is a good story about perseverance. Hanging in there wouldn't have been easy for him to take off. Gary Sharp's with us, the Iron Horse, Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, uh, before we uh, step away, a, uh, a thought here, uh, kind of the, the, the story nationally was the, uh, you know, what's being considered here about the playoff. You know, do you go to six, do you go to 16? Before we part, I want to get your take here. I know I uh, still have five years left on the, the original CFP deal, but... Do you think the, the number they settle in at here in a couple of years is eight, is six? I know it's ongoing discussions. Well, hey, you guys know those semifinal games, they're tight, right? So let's get more teams <laughs> in the playoff. <laughs> How many times do we argue about, man, that fifth team, they should have been in there as well. That sixth team, uh-huh. very rarely. I'm a four person. I think, I know they're going to do it out of fairness to expand, but my God, to go from four to 16. I could see from four to six, mm-hmm. um, but what are we doing here? Isn't our goal to determine the best team, yep. not just add teams? Um, very rarely are we having great semifinal matchups, um, and very rarely do we have uh, closeness between the fourth and fifth team, let alone the fourth and the eighth team. I just I like where they're at at four, but I know how the world works. Money talks, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of money to expand. And there's a lot of those conferences that are chirping, saying, hey, how come we can't get an automatic qualifier? But what will happen, I think, be, be real curious to see with the playoff and the talk of expansion. Guys, we're getting, we're about 10 years, 11 years from the last time we had expansion in college athletics with conferences. TV contracts are coming up. There's this big talk of going to just super conferences across the country, mm-hmm. the 65 breaking apart. You got name, image, likeness. Get ready. Who knows what's going to happen? All of this stuff is coming to an head, and college football in five years may not look anything like what it looks like right now. 
No, you're right on. Three uh, three semis, that's Clemson and Ohio State, both of those, and Bama, Ohio State. Those have been the only three semis really worth a damn. So you're right on with that. Gary, have a good weekend. We'll see you next Saturday, bud. Thanks again. Hey, thanks, guys. All right, there he thanks, is, sir. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. So uh, love catching up with him. Cranack, you're, a, you're an Air Jordan guy, aren't you? I mean, I had some back in the day. Right. I did. A well, long time ago. This is I really, wish I still had them. Yeah, well, my brother has my pair from uh, the mid-80s, like the original Air Jordans. Getting rich off you, too. Well, he might be. Um, today going on out on Westo, the Kinetic Sports Complex is the uh, uh, going to be the Capital City Expo 2021, which is really awesome. And uh, my brother's a part of this. And uh, do we have? We're working on getting Andrew Hill on, but uh, that thing gets going today, and it's really cool. Uh, it's uh, sneakers, it's trading cards, it's uh, custom clothes, it's uh, exclusive gear, and uh, we welcome on uh, Andrew Hill. Andrew, thanks for jumping on here with Hale Varsity at ESPN Lincoln. Uh, give us kind of a just a, a broad brush, if you can, of the, the Capital City Expo today out uh, at Connecticut. What can folks check out? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, So today we've got the Cap City Expo over here at Kinetic Sports Complex on West O Street. Mm -hmm. Um, Early admission starts at 11. Uh, General admission starts at 12, and we're going until 6 o'clock. We've got everything from exclusive shoes, vintage gear, old 80s vintage tees, just things you can't find, you know. People want to come and find it all in one place, so made it happen. That is awesome. Uh, Andrew Hill is with us, and uh, the uh, Capital City Hype presenting Cap City Expo. So, what what kind of excites you, man? What's what's like the coolest or most vintage pair of Jordans you've searched out, or that may be on display today? Because I know there's a huge community of of uh, vintage shoe fans and collectors. So, uh, today we will have. A vendor shout out um, sneakers. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's bringing out his 1985 Jordan ones. Now that is the first pair I've ever seen of the 85 release, the original OG high. Those are just ooh, so clean. Unfortunately, what? they're not for sale, but only for displays, from what I hear. Um, but who knows? Maybe the right price will buy them. Man, and of course, if there's Yeezy fans, and you know, also like this whole thing that went down with Kobe and Nike and Vanessa Bryant, man, like Kobe's have always been hot, but they're about to get even more rare, it sounds like. Oh, man, so you've heard of Kanye West with his Yeezys. Well, he was originally with Nike. Well, when he left Nike and went to Adidas, those Nike Yeezys skyrocketed. Okay. So could kind of see the same thing coming with the Kobe's. Um, I have a couple Kobe's. I actually just took them off off my page, and I'm holding them maybe for a year. They're gonna they're gonna go up, man. They're gonna go up. I can't wait to see see where they what they bring. Andrew Hill is with us. Uh, Capital City hype. The Capital City Expo going on out at Kinetic Sports Complex. That's out on West O. You've been there for for some basketball tournaments, probably. Uh, uh, early admission at 11, general admission noon to 6 today. And if you like uh, vintage clothes or you want to see some sneakers, 
Uh, that man, Cranack, you were what? What year did you rock Air Jordans? Did he disappear? I don't know. No, I'm here. here okay, we go. here we go. Yeah, yeah. You were you on mute? No. What year did you get the Jordans? Sixth grade, seventh grade. Right, and we're a little know, older. So, well, but point is, is think if you still had them, right? I know. I wish I did. They were pretty small, though. I had small feet. I don't know if that makes a difference. At the time. Actually, you'd be surprised. The smaller pairs actually go for more. Um, I don't know. Something about between sizes seven and nine. Or, or it's called the money the money pairs. That's good. Ah. Well, then, and Andrew, real quick, if folks want to find out more about what you do, how do they get a hold of you? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Capital City Hype. Um, you can also check out my website, CapitalCityHype.com. Um, I'll be updating inventory after today's events, and um, we also having a three point contest today at two p.m. Nice. It's a $20 buy-in, winner takes all. So, hmm. Cranek, how's, we'll your, a, how's your three-point we'll game? Little, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, good. I haven't played basketball since high school. I was, I'd shoot around a bit, but I was more of a wrestler. Oh, there we go. Andrew, thanks for the time, and good luck today with the, uh, the Capital City Expo, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. There you go. Cranek, you bald. I mean... What are, you, what are, you, are you talking right or left-handed? What, what are you, uh... I'm saying if you, I, I got your 20 if you drive down for this three-point okay. contest today. I need, is there time to build up my cardio? <laughs> well, you just, catch and sh- you just catch and shoot. You're good. No, but you got to you rise a little bit. It's a little harder than it looks. I think by the time you, you, you make your way to the top of the key, you better have something in the tank, you know, <laughs> to continue around. I, That's I code worry. for we're both in our early to, to mid-40s, and uh, we sweat walking. So uh, I, I worry. Damon yeah. says leave. But check that out. You uh, want to see some cool Jordans or Yeezys, or you got a shoe fan in the family, or you want some throwback gear, uh, check it out. And my brother and uh, his friend Andrew Hill putting this on. So it's, it's pretty awesome. All right, we'll be back at you next Saturday. Likely a rail yard destination as we get things kicked off for the spring game uh, for the weekend edition. Back at you Monday to talk some NFL draft on Hale Varsity. Cranack, be good, buddy. You as well, sir.